Welcome to Ministry in Motion, a program where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. You know, most pastors, church leaders don't go into that mission to make a lot of money. So today's topic is especially relevant for you, personal finances. How you can use the treasures that are given to you for maximum impact, not only to provide for yourself and your family, but for the blessing of the kingdom of God. So I'm glad you joined us. Our special guest, Pastor John Matthews. John, it's good to have you here today. Thank you. And I'm excited about this topic because I think many pastors, church leaders have to manage a little money wisely. And if they don't, it can really hinder their ministry. That is true. So talk to me about the big picture of personal finances. Okay, before you really get into dealing with finances, a person needs to define their values. And a value is something, for example, uh, I like security, so I want to live in a nice neighborhood. Uh, A goal would be the type of house I want to live in. So if you define your values, then you've got to define your goals. Short-term, long-term. Short-term is about three months. Long-term is about a year. A goal would be to... uh, I want to have a house with a two-car garage and uh, a three-bedroom, and so you're starting to get into the specifics. Once you define your values, your goals, then you make a list of things that you want to do. You know, that sounds a lot more intentional than just spending money uh, carelessly and running out after week three. It is. If you don't be intentional, the retailers are going to do it for you. Uh, they've even got commercials on television that are designed to get you to buy on a delayed reaction. Not right then, but when you're at the store, it triggers uh, the impressions impressions and impulses, and you go after the product. How they do that, I don't know, but they are very sophisticated. And then in some countries, they'll they'll sell you money at a ridiculous interest rate so you can cash your check early. That is true. So if you have your values, your goals, and you make a list and you start making a detailed list of goals. If I say, I'm going to build a house, you say, I'm going to build a house, three-car garage, a fireplace, uh, air-conditioned, the best carpet is going to have uh, uh, travertine tile. You make all these details, but I don't. You're more likely to actually do the house than the person that is just saying, I'm going to do this. So you have values, goals, and the details. Now you're ready to start talking about money. So that's a, looking at the big picture, crucially important. Uh, it seems to me that, that at least in the Western culture, and I think it's happening in many parts of the world, that, that as you said, our consumer culture is just saying, if you have money, spend it. Oh. Uh, there's not a lot of thought about uh, saving or investing, laying up treasure in heaven. So how do we, how do we discover that attitude towards money that's going to direct everything that we do? Probably the biggest decision a person makes that will impact this attitude and guide their financial management is a decision whether or not to get into debt or get out of debt. What you do with debt will determine success in your family finances. Uh, there's a book called Faith and Finance. It's a, fa- it's a 12-week family finance series that if you follow those principles, it'll help you get out of debt. It'll help you manage your money. Uh, well, by the way, we'll link to that at the end okay. of the program at ministryemotion.tv because I've heard that's a really 
powerful resource. And maybe we need to start with ourselves before we teach it to uh, folks in the congregation. Yeah. Uh, they've done some research, and they have this guy, call him Mr. Spinthrift and Mr. Tightwad. If you use cash, they exhibit those characteristics. If you give them a credit card, those characteristics go away. So if, that's the danger of a credit card. That's the danger of a credit card. You can spend money even that you don't have. You don't have. I mean, uh, it's magical. I mean, it, it is uh, convenient. It, and I'm just saying, use the tool to your advantage and make sure, in other words, you could say, I'm going to go straight cash, no credit cards. The experts will say you'll save 30% more money. Why is that? Because you don't let it go. Mm. So when you have credit cards and you still say, I'm going to pay it off at the end of the month, you're going to spend more than if you went straight cash. Now, did you grow up in a family that said no debt? I mean, did you grow up with all of these principles uh, lined up? Or how did you learn about the importance of setting, having the big picture, setting the goals, and, and avoiding debt? Well, my parents didn't sit me down and explain it to me, but they certainly practiced it. Uh, I can remember my mother making her own clothes. I remember going to church school. My mother was a school teacher, and it wasn't until a few years ago, uh, she in her senior years said, I would turn in half of my paycheck back to the local church so mm. we could have a church school. Amazing. I mean, they sacrificed, and they lived on a cash basis. Uh, so you saw that growing up. I saw that. Did, did that automatically uh, not, get not worked a, into your not life? A, not exactly. I, I bought a Corvette in a thousand pieces, and by the time I sold it, it was in a hundred thousand pieces. <laughs> it was an expensive automotive lesson. I bought an old motorcycle, Harley Davidson motorcycle, long front end, the sissy bar. It was the high rise, and, and I lost my shirt on that. I've <laughs> lost my shirt on a house. And um, once, give you By the way, to lose a shirt is the colloquial expression yes. for uh, a bad financial a bad, decision. A, I've done it more than once, a bad financial decision. And it just seems like no matter how much you read and study, I don't know why us humans have to always learn by experience, but we do. Uh, one Sabbath morning I got up, <clears throat> I was going to preach, I was going over my notes, and I had been used to making a payment on a credit card, get an advance, make a payment on a credit card, get an advance, make a payment on the third credit card, get an advance, and make a payment on the fourth credit card. I cut three of those up and I've never looked back. I stopped that consumer debt. Which by the way is fairly common in many parts of the world. And we're talking to pastors and, and lay leaders here. If we're going to live within our means and hopefully be an example to the people in our church community, that was an important uh, mile marker in your journey. In, in my journey, I'd never look back. In other words, there's three principles, and you'll find them in the spirit of prophecy. You've got to say, no more debt. You've got to make that decision. And you might have to get down on your knees with your family with some scripture text, say, God, no more debt. Number two, make a covenant. And we're going to come back to that after the break, because if you just learned no more debt... Uh, where do we go from there? How do we handle money wisely as Christian leaders in a community? You know, it will not only bless your family, but it will bless your whole community as they see, just like John saw with his parents, a modeling by a Christian of healthy personal finances. We'll be right back with more about personal finances 
after the break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, personal finances. And I'm excited about this topic because it will not only bless our lives as Christian leaders, but bless our church families as well. Our guest, John Matthews. John, thanks for being with us today. Welcome. And, and just what we shared in this first section about having values and goals and kind of looking at the big picture, that's important. But then that second point about dealing with debt that day that you finally cut up credit cards. Talk to me more about that and how that changed your, your life uh, financially. It took a little while to change my life financially because I had to pay that debt off. I made sure that those credit card accounts were closed and then I just beginning, I began trying to develop a budget, which I'll get into in a little bit, but you've got to manage it some kind of way but One you stop the hemorrhaging I, by continuing to increase yes. debt. If you are in a hole, what's the first thing you want to do? Borrow money. <laughs> That's the well, wrong thing, right? Well, that would be digging the hole deeper. Exactly. So if you're in a hole, you got to stop digging. Stop digging. And so I climbed my way out. Then I've done that several times, but uh, uh, I never again am I going to do that with God's help. In other words, we can have the best financial plan and some catastrophic event can take place. Sure. And things happen and I don't know what to do with some of those things. But we certainly can live within our income. You know, there's scripture in Romans 13, 8, it says, Oh, no man, anything. That's a good principle. Another scripture, Romans 3, 28, it says, Don't say to your neighbor, uh, I'll come back and, and uh, pay you when I've got it with me. Mm. And so the scripture just says, Don't owe anybody. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not totally against debt. Sure. But the debt we see nowadays is uh, governments and society and the economic system considers debt an asset. And, and, and certainly retailers lure you and credit card companies they, lure you that somehow debt uh, is not a problem at all. That's right. When actually it's a noose around your and, neck. And what's amazing is how can debt be an asset? In <laughs> other words, if I borrow money from you, I am at, uh, I'm, I owe you, but that is an asset, but if I can't pay it to you, but if I can't pay it back, I've destroyed your asset. Mm. And that's what happened in the big recession that we've gone through. I, I think the book of Proverbs talks about the debtor being a slave yes. to the person yes. they got it from. So it re really isn't a blessing at all. You talked about having to make a budget. Uh, you, you're, stopping, you're stopping digging the hole deeper mm -hmm. by cutting up the cards and saying, I'm no more debt. How do you then start to live within your means so you don't get two weeks into your month or four days into your week and, and you've run out of money? Well, first of all, I'm not saying this is easy and I'm not saying it's fun. <laughs> it's hard it, work? It, it's discipline. Okay. I want to share three kinds of budgets. The first one is the easiest. It's a no budget system. You just spend your paycheck and that's it. Mm. It's kind of like teenagers living at home. They don't worry about the bills. You give them a little money, they're on a non-budget system. Most cultures, most people in the world are on a non-budget system. Whenever you deal with a budget, you need to write it down on a piece of paper. If you don't put it on a piece of paper, you can't organize it in your head like you can organize it on paper. The second kind of budget is a budget that is based on percentages. That's the most difficult, but it's the best way. 
You can even operate a church this way based on percentage. So much department gets a percent and this part of department of the church gets a percent. So I've, I've heard, for example, <clears throat> that you shouldn't spend more than, let's just say, 35% of your income on, on your housing. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you're, if I'm spending 80% of my income living in a, in a high-end high condominium somewhere, I need to make an adjustment. You don't have a budget. I mean, you're, you're in the I'm out of hole. control already. You're, you're out of control. So I, how, how do I know what percentages? You talked about that resource, Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance will help you decide percentages. You can go to the internet and type in, give me a sample budget, and you will have so many ideas, you won't know which one to choose. But it's a starting place where you can educate yourself. You, you know, nobody's going to do this for you. You've got to do it yourself. Uh, nobody's going to take care of your money like you will. Not even your pastor is going to be as concerned about your money as you ought to be because it's your job. So, so finding, finding some help for the budget rather than just trying to do it all by yourself just, would make yeah. sense? No need to reinvent the wheel. I, I remember uh, in the past listening to programs by Larry Burkett, who mm -hmm. was a Christian financial advisor. Just simple, simple counsel that, that helps so many. But Faith and Finance, we'll, we'll link that at the end um, through our website. So I'm getting this budget together so much for food, mm -hmm. so much for clothing. Mm -hmm. So even if I see a nice suit on sale, if I've used up my percentage? It's called delayed gratification. Uh, we ought to highlight <laughs> those two words because I was always told that uh, that was really the key. Give it to me again and explain what delayed gratification delayed is. Delayed gratification. I mean, you're making some major decisions. If you can make a decision to not have any more debt, you can make a decision to put off buying that suit that you think you got to have. Or that motorcycle that's on sale. Or that sale. motorcycle. I mean, it's out there. I mean, there's so many goods and services out there that you, you won't have to worry about a good deal never coming around again. Another good deal will come around. Let me tell you about the third type of budget. I went from the easiest to the hardest. There's one sandwiched in between a no budget or a budget based on percent. And I call this a budget based on actual expenses. Here's how you do this you have a receipt party at the end of the month. What's a receipt party? You're going to learn to collect all the receipts that you accumulate during the month. So you buy fuel, you buy food. Get the receipt. Put them in a basket on top of the refrigerator or put them in that junk drawer that you have in the kitchen or somewhere else. Once a month, dump all the receipts out on the table and you start making a summary sheet and you'll list all your bills that come around once a month on the left-hand side, utilities, utilities, rent, groceries, rent, and tithes, offering, that's not an expense. So that's a separate category up there. That always comes first. But let's take groceries. You just add up all those receipts, put it in the second column, which is January. February, you do another column. You're building a budget on actual expenses. Mm -hmm. Taking care of expenses is more important than a budget. A and budget. what that does, I think, uh, from, if, I'm, if I'm just following you, uh, rather than imagining how much I spend or forcing myself to spend, I, I'm, I'm kind of finding out, I'm discovering what, how my money is typically spent. And that will help me to plan for the future. When we come back after the break, I want to talk about how that can help with the budget. And then uh, maybe there's some other insights. You talked about putting God first. 
Okay. There's something amazing about that because the scripture says if we seek his kingdom first, the other things we need will come to us. This is an important topic, personal finances for you as a church leader that will not only bless your family, but bless your whole community as they see God working through you in a beautiful way. We'll be right back with more after the break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, personal finances, and our guest, John Matthews. John, this has been a really helpful discussion for me. I, I know how important it is to shun debt, to have a budget. Uh, talk to us about how having your finances in order changes everything in terms of your relationship with God and, and the decisions you make. If you have your finances in order, you'll be happier, number one. You connect orderly finances with Jesus, you're on a roll. And uh, it gives you better decision-making power. You look at things differently. Uh, you will have a desire to, believe it or not, live within your income. It makes uh, a relationship between a husband and life, a wife even happier. I remember when you were talking about budget, you talked about setting aside tithe and offerings. So, so that whole principle of seeking first the kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and God is going to honor that. That's right. A tithe and offering is not an expense. It is honesty with God and a gratitude expression. So while you might have it at the top of your expenses and your budgets, it's not an expense. It's a separate category altogether. Uh, and when, when you do that, that will even make you happier. What's amazing when you talk about happiness, I could give you $100,000 totally free and clear, but it would only increase your happiness by about 3%. Mm. So they've researched it out. Money will not make you happy. They've discovered that what will make you happy is I got more money than you. Therefore, you got the vicious cycle of keeping up with the Joneses. Sure. We don't have to buy into this world philosophy. And the key to help us manage that is our allegiance to God by expression of tithes and offering. That's, the, that's a key. It is rightly understood tithe is as important as prayer. If you neglect prayer, you will develop sensual thoughts. And money cannot be separated from central thoughts because the retailers and the world has made sure that it is forever connected. And so when you put God first in your finances, uh, do you invite God to guide you in every decision you make? Absolutely. I could tell you good stories and bad stories that I have done. One good story is I was standing in front of a house. I wanted to buy it. I remember standing there saying, God, there's no text in the Bible that says thou shalt buy this house. I need some help. So I made an offer. And when it comes to buying a house, you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. So you I'm, needed God's guidance. In I that. needed God's guidance. And I'm trying to follow no debt, you know, all these principles as I best can understand them. I made the offer. I bought the house. The guy said, John, if you ever want to sell it, call me. And guess who I sold it back to? To the I, person who owned it. <laughs> he, he owned it. I sold it to him for what I paid for it. It was like living there free. So you can be greedy and you're going to get into trouble. So you've got to be balanced as you start looking at debt. Another occasion, I built a house on a golf course. 
Only 30% of the people that live on golf courses play golf. I don't like golf, but I fell in love with the house. That's a beautiful setting, a rural setting. It's a setting. good setting, but there's only two people I ever fall in love with. That's my wife and the Lord. And, uh, uh, but I fell in love with this house and I, I walked away from it. The builder was kind enough to let me walk away and he would give me my money back. So I walked away leaving about $8,000 on the table and I wasn't happy. But I heard the story of a preacher uh, as he was preaching the story of Lazarus. And Jesus said to the disciples, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. You read the scripture. And I was sitting there listening, dear Lord, I lost all this money and I'm glad. What are you going to do? What Jesus did is something absolutely beautiful and fantastic. He brought this guy back to life. So I said, Lord, what are you going to do for me? I crawled back on the wagon of all the principles that I teach people. I got a better built house for $100,000 less. So, and, so and, and I just, in the long run of things, I was miles ahead by, okay, I'm going to lick my wounds, cut my losses, and start over. So you're always ahead when you put God first. You're always You honor Him with your tithe and offerings, and you invite Him to help you with every decision. The, people the, want, people the want to learn more about this. Give us that amount, resource again. The amount of money is not the issue. It is the Lord saying to you, I want you to be content with what you have. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. Uh, contentment in a world of chaos is that's pretty found, good stuff. That's precious. And, and if people would like to learn more about faith and finances. Um, uh, if they want to know more about a faith and finance book, uh, it's a 12-week family finance seminar. And uh, they can go to the Adventist Book Center or they can go to AdWords. Come to our website, to your website TV. And, and get the information and, and invite the pastor or someone in the church that is skilled in finances to get that material and walk the church through it. You will help the church be happier if they understand their finances better. John, thanks for sharing some practical insights about personal finances. You've, you've experienced both, both the failures and the joys. Yes. Uh, as you've applied these principles. And uh, thanks for sharing some practical counsel with us. If you would like to learn more, this valuable resource, Faith and Finances, we can find information at our website, ministryinmotion.tv. And while you're there at the website, if you're a pastor and you are not receiving this professional journal ministry, you may be eligible for a complimentary subscription dealing with practical issues that will help you to be an effective church leader. So while you're there at the website, give us your information. Tell us about the church you're pastoring. Tell us about your ministry. Because Ministry in Motion is committed, as is the journal ministry, to helping you to be an effective Christian leader. And the insights we've shared today on personal finances, John, thank you again for sharing, uh, can not only bless your life, and that's important, so that you can honor God with your finances and invite God into every area of your decision-making, but God can then use you to be a blessing to your church and your community. That's our desire. Thanks for joining us for Ministry in Motion. May God use you to be a blessing to those around you.